0: we're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation.
1: Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. You're listening to That's What I Call Science the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM from Tasmania. The show is supported by EDGE Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. Head to edge.org.au for more info. My name is Sophie Calabretto, and I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners on the land on which we are recording. For me, it's the Gudigal people of the Eora Nation, and for Hayden, the Ghana people. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where you are listening. On behalf of everyone, I pay my respects to Elders past and present. So today, Hayden, we're going to be talking about maths. We're going to be talking about how people feel about it. And we're going to be talking about the state of maths education in Australia with the special guest I've already been talking to, Hayden Tronalone from the College of Science and Engineering at Flinders University. Now, Hayden is an applied mathematician and lecturer in mathematical sciences. As well as being a teaching specialist, he is the course coordinator for the Bachelor of Mathematical Sciences and the STEM Academy Associate Lead for Recruitment and Outreach within the college. So welcome, Hayden.
0: Thank you very much. It's really good to be here or be where I am and joining you online, I guess.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) Hayden. Yeah, so what I want to do first is we always do this when we do a math show because a lot of people aren't really sure why other people might become mathematicians, and I kind of understand that. So you, like a lot of us, began your career as a research mathematician, but before we even get into that, can you sort of just tell us how you ended up in maths to begin with?
0: (laughs) It's, uh, it's, I think it's always a tricky question. I I imagine you're the same. You probably get this question all the time, and I, I think I've never really got the answer
1: I always that's just say it was an accident, which is never satisfactory to people, I think.
0: Yeah, that's, well, I think I've come to just make up answers sometimes when people ask now, because no matter what you say, I think they just, they don't accept it because yeah. any answer other than I don't really want to do it, it's a big mistake, <laughs> I think is is a bit, you know, not satisfying for them. But I I think I ended up in maths just because it actually always just excited me a lot. And I, I, mean, I think there are some memories that stand out for me, like uh, I remember being in school and the teacher in a maths class just once said, all right, I'm going to go through the, the derivation of this formula. You don't need to follow this. This is just if you're interested, but you just need to be able to use it at the end. Yep. And I think I was the only one in the room who sort of lit up and watched this and everyone else, you know, it wasn't playing on your phones. We're well, long enough ago, I think we weren't playing on our phones. But We were you
1: playing on your calculator. I used to play on my graphics calculator a lot in class if I got bored.
0: Yeah, I think there are there, remember you, you could get snake on your graphics calculator yeah. if you spoke to the right person. So there's a fair bit of that. But I was just I was just so thrilled with it. And you know, this is a memory from, from back in high school that it, like I still I still know that feeling and think yeah. that's so cool and that's exciting. Um I, I even bugging my mum recently saying what did I want to be when I grew up and we went through all of these different options. You know, I wanted to drive trains or I wanted to fly helicopters. I, apparently I wanted to move around a lot. That's oh, yeah. the gist there. But she also said that she remembers taking me out places and I just try to figure out how to count things.
1: Oh, okay. Like I
0: see, a, you know, a grid of lights. So we would go to the football and they'd have the light towers yep. and I'd count like the lights down one side and across the bottom and then multiply it and then say, oh, there's this many lights. And then she said, well, I, I guess I should have realized then that you were going to a mathematician?
1: I think that's really funny because I used to do a thing where we used to go and visit my nono and nona at Murray Bridge quite a bit, and I managed to work out how long it would take. But I remember at one time, like we hit a you know this many kilometers to somewhere sign, and then I would just count like in my head, like this is my counting pace until we hit the next sign, worked out like how many seconds I had counted in these kilometres and then I basically worked out okay so the next time it says this many like divide it by two and times 50 and that's the number of like minutes that you've got left or whatever and I just and it was a thing that I apparently did as like a very small child. I think what
0: what we're both talking about though is like people, you might dwell on the numbers involved but mm. I think it's it's not necessarily the numbers or the arithmetic it's just wanting to answer lots of questions all the time.
1: Yeah it's it's Yeah, it's trying to understand how things are working around you, which is a perfect segue, Hayden, to my next question. So I want to talk a little bit about research. You were previously a postdoc at the University of Adelaide. So you've gone from I'm interested in things happening in the world to like, okay, I'm now doing maths at high school and then university, and now I've got a postdoctoral position. What were your research interests?
0: Yeah, so I, I, I guess I was fortunate across my PhD and some of my post PhD sort of postdoc positions that uh, I I think I got to jump around a fair bit Mm -hmm. more than anything. I feel like that was what used to get me excited when, you know, we're talking about getting attracted to maths because you like to answer questions. And I, I feel like I always wanted to just learn about different things and find out about different things. So the nice thing about maths was that I could always, if I had the maths, I could always just jump around to something different and then learn about learn about that completely different area so i started out um initially looking into fluid mechanics like you as well yeah um it's good just because it's such i guess a, a nice area of of maths so many you know nice equations interesting techniques and things like that and then ended up going into some postdoc research in mathematical biology
1: yeah and,
0: i mean are two areas that on the surface they have nothing to do with each other really most mm-hmm. of the time you can just pick up all your maths, move it across and, you know, use it in the same sort of ways or even some, you know, variations and things like that.
1: So the vibe I'm getting from you, Hayden, is that you learn all of these math skills and then really, like, you become so well-suited to moving around because you're just taking the same t- tools and you're applying them to different problems or applying them in different ways.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's it's the, I guess that's the scary thing about closing options, that you worry you're closing one that you actually are really going to like. Mm. So, what I, what I say so, many, so often to these students is like the attraction of going into maths is that in a way you don't have to close yeah. nearly as many options as you think. Uh, and I, I actually think that's sometimes a bit of an attitude um, and it's no one's fault perhaps or at least not the student's fault. I'll, we'll leave the fault elsewhere. Yeah. But I think maths is almost seen as a little bit of a dead end yeah. from their perspective. And they're gonna, you know, they like it. Some of them genuinely like it, but think that they have to go into something that's actually leading somewhere, or it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's the serious job now.
1: Because the idea, is actually, yeah. What What does a mathematician do? Like, if I do maths at university, I'm going to become a mathematician. So I guess that means I'll stay at university and I'll write things on blackboards and I'll teach people, and um, yeah. and that's, you know, that's it
0: closed loop isn't it we we study maths so that we can one day teach maths to someone else and that's that's kind of the end of it isn't it
1: yeah well so, so actually speaking of teaching we're nailing segway today speaking of teaching Hayden so an early career researcher you won some awards and now you've moved to a completely teaching oriented role what sparked that move I really enjoyed
0: um, researching and for all the same reasons I think that we've been mentioning that it's is a very pure problem-solving experience. Uh, you know, you have a lot of freedom to tackle things, to explore very fundamental uh, and new ideas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's, I guess it can be quite exciting. Uh, at the same time, I would often, uh, I often reflect on what I was doing. And, you know, it's not that you don't like what you're doing and not that you don't believe in the contributions, but sometimes you just reflect on, you know, I, am I actually helping anything or am I just sure. sort of, writing papers because that's what we do and maybe three people read them and they use them for something else and I'd often reflected in the past about how I thought uh, perhaps I could make a a bigger contribution if I was uh, a teacher and then it was kind of fortunate for me that around this time some universities were slightly rethinking their model of um, sort of teaching and research because obviously traditionally it's been always an equal share you're expected Mm -hmm. to teach in order to justify your research and sort of vice versa and then you know through a number of factors um you know these these this idea of having more teaching specialist people had started to appear and so i saw this opportunity and it just seemed like the perfect thing
1: You're listening to That's What I Call Science. And today we're talking about maths and maths education. My name is Sophie Calabretto, and I'm joined by our expert guest, Hayden Tronalone from Flinders University. Now, Hayden, I want to talk about pedagogy. And we're going to do this in a couple of ways. It's a big topic. And I'm
0: scary and dangerous topic. It's isn't scary it? and
1: dangerous. And I don't want to suggest that we're going to solve everyone's problem. But the first thing I want to talk about are the different types of students that we get at university and maybe how we deal with it or how we don't deal with it as well. So at university level, there are students who are taking maths as co-requisites for other fields of study. So you've got these students who maybe want to do physics or they want to do chemistry or they want to do something else. And they're told as part of their degree, they need to take these maths units at university level. Do you think that these students approach their learning in different ways compared to students who are actually taking maths because they want to do maths? You
0: can get a lot of diversity within cohorts, but I think you certainly do encounter uh, some slightly different attitudes. uh, And, uh, you know, a number of students do express a feeling of why am I here? Yeah. Or I'm just here to tick a box. Can I just get through this, you know, with the, the least amount of effort? And uh, I guess it's an interesting sort of feeling. Uh, you can appreciate it if you were pushed into something that you really don't think applies to you. Mm-hmm. You know, if perhaps you're doing geology and you're studying the law of ancient Rome. You raise some complaints, but, you know, sometimes you think you, there's a reason that you're put into these maths classes. Mm-hmm. We think you're going to use them. But, yeah, you really you, you, you do see somewhat of a, a, a checking out, I think, in these students.
1: And do you think that – is that partly because the way that a lot of our units are designed, they're designed as maths for mathematicians? Do you think it's – Hayden, are we part of the problem is what I'm asking here really?
0: Uh, I think we're always part of the problem, aren't we? I, I, we, I think we both <laughs> blame sure. ourselves for a lot of things. <laughs> um, I think I think there's some element of that and – you know, I, we, we can say this, we're both, we both identify as mathematicians, so we can say that sometimes mathematicians aren't perhaps the best at opening up their field mm-hmm. to others. Yeah, I, I think, think um, at, at, Yeah, at the, at the worst end, perhaps there's a little bit of a gatekeeping, dare mm-hmm. I say, where you want to protect your discipline and make it seem like, you know, it's, it's difficult to get into and I've got to keep it difficult because otherwise what have I achieved yeah. like, by working through it? Yeah. I think too, though that there's also perhaps, um, I think some. I think maths is sometimes at a disadvantage, though, because it is such a broad field. And you know, like you like you say, you can have a class with you know, math students, but engineers, computer scientists, lots of education students, mm-hmm. all you know, all areas, and somehow you've got to teach something that is appealing to everyone. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes what the struggle then is is that you. Try to satisfy everyone and really satisfy no one.
1: Yeah, and I think even if you're talking about simple things like what kind of examples am I going to use to show how this theorem works and the things that people will be interested in as a good example could be very, very different, and that's just you know at sort of the basic level of you know what content am I including in this course? yeah, so we know that the number of students taking higher level maths at university and high school is continuing to drop, and again, what are we doing wrong? I
0: think while it's you know you and I are both applied mathematicians and we love these applications, uh, sometimes we can we can definitely overdo it and we can turn maths into something that is just about utility yeah. And I think when you get to that end of things, it does start to look really boring. And I've sometimes talked to groups about this where, you know, we look at the sort of problem you get in a a school textbook.
1: I just remember ones with, like, tanks of water. And I I think it was maybe when we started doing calculus, but there were lots of questions about, like, tanks with certain volumes flowing from one tank to another tank. And I was like, when am I going to live in this world of, like, very intricate tank systems?
0: Yeah, with three tanks connected, you're adding salt to one of them yeah. and you kind of sit there and go, why are you doing this? Yeah. We're, we're laughing about it, but this sort of thinking is actually what I think comes into a lot of students' heads, that when we really come up with a contrived question, they're smarter than this, Yeah, right? You know, I think one of the, the classic examples is a question like, you know, a, a farmer has a field and the farmer knows there are, you know, 100 legs in the field and there are this many chickens and this many sheep, how many of each are there? You give that to a kid, they're smart enough to say just count the chickens literally and count, count the sheep. Chickens.
1: Like why, why are we turning this like very visual problem into something mathematical when it doesn't need yeah. to
0: Yeah, who, who counted the legs, ignoring the difference between sheep <laughs> and chicken legs.
1: I never thought about it. just Just count the animal first. Don't bother counting the legs. It's going to take longer. There are more legs than animals.
0: Yeah, we're talking about what puts... People off maths mm-hmm. and look. That we could. I think there's a several weeks of continuous discussion on this, but this is something that always stands out. Okay, so we we try to appeal to everyone. We try to put applications in. We end up putting essentially joke ones in, mm-hmm. you know, that like we've been talking about here, and it just says that your discipline is not relevant to them. Yeah, and I think what we could do a lot better at is like reflecting ourselves and thinking we all know why we think this is great we think it's interesting and we think there's beauty to be seen so why not show that that should that should be the thing that's put up front yeah and um I I quite often try to use this example when um you know I say we have we have art galleries around the world and no one's questioned whether that's a useful contribution we we sort of innately enjoy this we we like watching high-level athletes perform, mm-hmm. and that's not contributing to our own fitness. No. They don't need to be doing that to get I fit. I watched
1: a lot of the Olympics and I am no fitter as a result.
0: It, well, I'd say we're all a little less fit yeah. from that last Olympics perhaps. But, again, we very rarely question it, that it should just exist, that we can just admire it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think we we so often suck that out of maths. We, yeah. we try for some reason, it's the one area of study that has to continually justify its existence by problems involving shopping and (laughs) chickens and everything else.
1: Yeah. So do you know if, so I guess, you know, we're talking about our experience in the Australian education system. Now, you may not know the answer to this, but are you aware of any other countries who are just doing a better job?
0: There are a number of different programs that actually do try to measure this exact thing okay. so people may have heard of things like um, PISA or TIMS. these are both big international assessment programs that try to measure students in different countries and compare how they're performing and it does give us some idea of um, at least a, you know, I guess a measure of, of how different cohorts of students are performing in mathematics and um, quite often Australia shows up as being quite behind, um, especially some of the Asian, um, Southeast Asian countries. We know in Australia that uh, if you go to a private school, you usually will have teachers who are experts in mathematics and you will end up getting much higher results. Whereas if you went to a public school, um, 75% of the students going through that system will have a non-maths teacher at least somewhere in their education. And we know that just doesn't lead to great results, and it's, it's no poor reflection on the teachers. But if you're not trained in mathematics, it's a lot more difficult for you to, to teach that discipline.
1: So you have these people who are non-maths experts who are possibly maths-phobic themselves or just very not comfortable with it, and then you have them, you know, they're the ones that are, that are teaching and so it's not surprising that maybe some of the maths-phobia or this lack of maybe confidence, maths confidence, is rubbing off on students.
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know I think we we really need to stress it's not that these teachers' fault. Mm. They're thrown into these situations, and they they all do the best they can. But like if I if I went to teach biology at you know year one level, I'd do a terrible job, of it. and it's just because I don't know. Yeah, and it is that maths that math phobia that that spreads. It, you see, it spreading from generation to generation. It's almost almost like a virus that. Mm. You know, parents say to kids, oh, I was never good at maths. And they're going to grow up to be the next generation of teachers who say the same things. And it, it's hard to think the, the sort of the level of intervention we'd need to to shift this attitude.
1: I'm loving what we're hitting, Hayden. So everyone stick with us for part three as we delve more into Hayden's work and interest and my interest and all the things we feel about maths education. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, and we are talking about maths, maths education and attitudes towards maths. My name is Sophie Calabretto, and I'm joined by our expert guest, Hayden Tronolone from Flinders University. Okay, Hayden, we started talking about attitudes, and this is where I want to lift off from, because as we've established, when most people talk about maths, it's not super positive. There's a lot of, I hate maths. I'm terrible at maths. Like, why am I here? <laughs> what is life? Um, and so the first thing that I want to talk about, which might be a bit controversial, is, and I'm, I'm doing this, this question comes out of my own experience. So when I left academia and I said, I don't want to be in academia anymore, the first thing that I got from all the academics I knew were job ads for academic jobs. And I'm interested, when you went from a very research-based job to a now teaching-based job, how did your colleagues and peers react to that? Was there, and I think I'm specifically from the people who maybe put more importance on research than teaching in the university sector.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's such a difficult thing to think about, isn't it? Because we've t- only touched on it very briefly, but obviously academics are just hemmed in by metrics and all those metrics say the number of publications you write is a measure of how good you are. Yeah,
1: basically your worth as a person in this particular field. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I don't think anyone starts feeling that way, but there's only so long you can live in that system before. That is your worldview. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was the same for me as well. And everyone was very nice, very well-intentioned and was doing what I think they thought would help me. But I, I did get those job ads too. Um, I think they started like a few weeks into me taking up a new permanent position yep. elsewhere. So I, I, I do think it was clear that there was perhaps some thought from others that I wasn't making the right move. But yeah, maybe it won't be the right move. Um, we're now we're putting it on permanent record now, so <laughs> someone can throw this back in our faces later on, right? But it was the thing that I wanted
1: to do. Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, I think I always say that, you know, you shouldn't be studying things or doing things that you hate if you have a choice to not do them. I know that in your new role you've actually been working on ways to sort of detect and address maths anxiety, which I think is really important. And I was wondering if you sort of could tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been very interesting and it's something, I, you know, being a teaching specialist it's like the first time you have time to sit down and think about these things so I've really enjoyed being able to actually you know sit down and think how can we make our teaching better how can I make my teaching better and this is this has been this um, area that we've been looking into and uh, we've been doing some very pr- um, preliminary investigations into it at the moment but there are some standardised assessment methods for trying to measure people's um, anxiety when they're faced with maths. And uh, I, th- I think we still have to actually convince people that this is actually a, th- a thing. Mm. There's there's a lot of attitude around that kids are just soft these days, if I can say. That's what I think it boils down to. And um, I-, I think they're they're suffering from all sorts of different external factors. Yeah, And, like, we have to look into it. We have to identify it in order to address it. And it's a very real thing. You know, we, we see students who literally shake when they are faced with some assessment and they can't possibly be performing to the level they could. They can't possibly be demonstrating what they've learned when they yeah. like, can't keep their hands steady. Uh, so we've been running these assessments just trying to get a, a picture of how many students in our maths classes are actually feeling this, and it's, it's, an, it's a significant number, uh, both on scales of anxiety towards just pure learning and also anxiety towards testing. Yeah. So it's not just the idea of assessment. Sometimes it's the very idea of facing a maths problem yep. is enough to trigger someone's um, flight reaction.
1: Yeah, which is, I mean, it's terrible and, you know, we've been talking about why maybe people are moving away from maths and we don't have as many people doing maths. I mean, this would seem like a a really concrete reason as to why someone wouldn't want to engage with it if it is genuinely terrifying to them.
0: Absolutely. Well, we we were talking about why would you move towards something you hate when you could move towards something you don't hate and that's what they're, they're making, the rational decision in a sense, avoiding... This discipline that seems to give them nothing but pain yep. and doesn't seem to really give them anything back.
1: So I then I've got another, <laughs> slightly, it's not really a deep question, but I'm really asking you to answer a lot. So do you think that we are doing something to perpetuate these attitudes? And I, I say when we, I mean, we're talking about teaching maths at university. So I mean, in that setting, or is the problem just bigger? What is causing these students just to be so terrified of maths?
0: when when i was in school sometimes our class was punished with a long multiplication problem
1: oh that's awful
0: now i think that's what the class felt but i mean think how how we were conditioned to associate punishment with doing some maths
1: doing some tricky maths was i had the opposite where we would do sort of our we had it wasn't really mental math. You had like a sheet and it was just uh, I think times tables and you had to fill it out. And then once you did that, the entire sheet correctly in the allocated amount of time, you went up to the harder sheet and then you kept moving up. And then basically once you'd finished the harder sheet in this allocated amount of time, this thing we did every day, you then got free time. So basically all the people who were struggling got to watch their peers go and like have fun for half an hour or not half an hour, however long it was, while they struggled to do these things these equations and it's just like this is not helpful either, I don't think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, if you wanted to design a system to put people off maths, (laughs) I don't know if we could come up with a better one. And again, I think it's something that too often school teachers are blamed for when they're you know, I think they try so hard and put in so much effort into, you know, these attitudes around maths. But you know, there are there are websites that track Mm -hmm. maths references in movies where it's just made a joke of yeah, like we're, we're bombarded by pop culture depictions of how awful Max is. Yep. Can anyone even find a, a good representation of it in, you know, in, I can't, I've i struggled to think of one.
1: I just watched the number 23 with Jim Carrey in it because I was writing a review for Cosmos and it was the most offensive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, that, that movie definitely put me off <laughs> for, for a bit too.
1: Now, Hayden, what would you tell any parent, caregiver, educator, student, anyone about the importance of maths? Maths
0: is a really, really beautiful discipline and there are so many interesting and remarkable features to it. If you can only give yourself the chance to explore them and find them and if you're in any way able to influence people, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you just know some kids through your family, think about not giving maths a bad name and think about trying to encourage your kids in this area Uh, and let's just start rejecting all of these negative depictions. Um, We we wouldn't have to change anything with our teaching if we could just start to change some attitudes perhaps.
1: Hayden, thank you very, very much. That was perfect. So thanks for listening to That's What I Call Science. We love bringing you science-related content and hope you enjoyed the show. If you loved the show, you can get in touch with us by searching That's What I Call Science or That's Science Taz on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My name is Sophie Calabretto, and I'd like to thank our expert guest, Hayden Tronolone. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science at all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at EDGE Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gemmaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. Gemmaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.